This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is at KMG311, um, my name is Ding, and with me as always is your favorite GameStop employee, and your favorite person that you know, that actually recorded news segments for the prequels when you were kids. <laughs> wow, what a title to have. I am proud yeah. to have that bestowed upon me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's um, it's a great title to be to be known as. I mean, uh, uh, on a podcast, on a uh, Batman podcast, on a Star Wars podcast. But besides that, I think you should probably keep that to yourself, Tim. <laughs> you mean I should update my Twitter profile with that description on there? <laughs> uh, no, I, I put I, it on I any. Put on my resume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you'll definitely get the job if you put that on your resume. Yes. The first thing to put on there is that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to start things off with, by uh, by saying that uh, you, you know how uh, I really love out of their shows, right? Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, and then I got the NECA figures, right? That they 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 made for uh, the canceled San Diego Comic Con last year, right? Mm-hmm. So that's four figures. Do you know uh, four four Ninja Turtles figures? Do you know how much I am up to now? Plus the others, those other figures you've got. Yeah. Well, you sent me two, so unless there's more. Figures you got that you haven't sent me images of. You should be up to six now, right? I, <laughs> I, um, so I have the the Leo Neca movie figure. Yeah, I have I saw the that I have the Wrath Super Seven figure. Yeah, it's like really cool. So that's uh, that's six figures. I also just got. All four original uh, 1988 uh, figures. Yes, <laughs> I got the the Playmates. Uh, it's, uh, it's a it's a pack of six. Um, the, the four turtles, uh, Splinter and Shredder. Uh, 
and then I got four black and white figures. Oh, nice from the Mirage comics, right? Uh, yeah, but the Playmates version. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I uh, th- this past Thursday, I was just going on eBay because one of my one of the sets that I want, I really, really want, is the Mirage NECA figures that came out in two thousand eight. Okay. Right. The only problem with that is, uh, and the reason why they they don't sell them now is because nobody bought it back in 2008, right? It was a big failure. Um, they, they since, you know, re-released them over time. Uh, I think there's two other iterations of it. Uh, I think uh, uh, one of them is a con-exclusive. Uh, or, in fact, uh, both of them are. There's the, the re-release of the 2008 figures, which is the conic, uh, San Diego Comic-Con uh, exclusive, and then there's the New York Comic-Con ex- exclusive, which is the black and white version of the 2008 figures, right? Okay. So, they're rare, right? And people on eBay are charging a lot of money for it. I've seen it what a for... Show. A thousand dollars. I've seen it for seventeen hundred dollars. I've even seen it as high as three thousand dollars. Right? Wow. <laughs> um, and these are all the re-releases of the con exclusive packs, right? So I was just perusing eBay one day uh, this past Thursday, um, and I found the original two thousand eight. Uh, figures that NECA released. Um, um, uh, and I I couldn't believe the price that I saw on them. They, they, they were still expensive. They were, I mean, they were still really expensive, but um, I'd never seen them this cheap. Uh, I pretty much got it for the price of what I've seen charged for one figure. Wow, that's awesome. Um, or or two figures, sorry. Uh, so I I got it for four hundred dollars. I got all <laughs> all four for four hundred dollars. Nice. I've never seen it this cheap before. Um, I I just could not believe how cheap it was. So I immediately bought it. it it's it's actually from, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Smith, his comic book store. Oh yeah, huh? Yeah, it's actually from that store. So oh, wow. I don't know why it was so cheap. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize that, how that, rare they were. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that well, I mean, they they have the con ones, the con exclusives, for fifteen hundred dollars in the four pack. So 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 that's what I I don't mm, understand. Okay. Huh. Yeah. yeah so. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. So, I am a proud owner of the two thousand eight. Uh, NECA TMNT figures. I've wanted this for uh, for so long. Uh, I know a lot of Turtles fans want it. Um, I, I've been looking for it for a while now, and I'm, I'm so glad that I finally got it. Nicely done, Dane. Man, your yeah. Turtle collection is already way outshining mine. <laughs> I haven't collected a bunch of the figures, but I love that you are, though. Again, you're building up your shrine. I, I can't wait to see them all on display with a picture. Of you in yeah, front of it no, with your no, denim no. vest. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, don't forget my denim short shorts and my 
my leg warmers. <laughs> and maybe you get a keytar just for the heck of it, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I'm so happy. I don't know what happened, uh, but I'm so glad that I finally got him. I've never seen him this cheap before, so... <laughs> Yeah, good thing he snatched them up because that's probably be the only time you will see him that cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, that that's what's been going on with me. Uh, how are things with you, Tim? Uh, as I was telling you before we recorded, probably one of the worst weeks I've had in a long time, health-wise. <laughs> Got my second COVID shot and had all the worst side effect reactions to it that you heard about, the chills, the body aches. Uh, feeling fatigued for a few days and then once I thought I was over it my neck started acting up where I was just to one point where I could barely even move it or just move in general it got so bad and stiff so um, missed a few days of work which you know I didn't want it to I didn't want it to do it was like the worst timing ever <laughs> to miss a few days of work or it's kind of like my busy days <laughs> so like uh, stressing out about that but I uh, got some medication for it doing better as long as I keep taking that to hopefully get my neck back in shape. It's like some muscle spasm that's going on back there. So, yeah, not the most fun week that I've had, but definitely glad to be well enough to start recording another episode <laughs> because I would hopefully hate to miss the fun stuff I do because of not feeling well. But thankfully, I'm doing better and able to jump on here and talk about some geeky stuff. Yeah. You uh, sound tired. Yeah, it's even coming through my voice. Wow, <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. that. But I guess pretty much sounding the way I feel. I guess. Yeah. Well, let let's uh, let's just get straight to our Lord of the Rings minute by minute commentary uh, for this episode. We're going from minute eight uh, to minute nine. Uh, so as always, grab your DVD, grab your Blu-ray, grab your HD DVD, grab your Beta tape, your VHS, your Laserdisc. Uh, your DVHS, uh, grab your Blockbuster rental copy, uh, grab your Netflix physical subscription copy, and our favorite, the way this movie was meant to be seen, the way Peter Jackson filmed it, <laughs> grab your, uh, grab your VHS to DVD converted copy. If you so, watch all the special features on The Lord of the Rings, you'll just hear him say that from time to time about, when we were filming this, I couldn't wait to see how it would look on your VHS to DVD converted copy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, so, Tim, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Uh, three, two, one. Play. And we are officially out of the prologue, Dane. We made it eight Finally. minutes in. We're in a bag in. The Fellowship of the Ring. There is a title card. And this, of course, is one of the changes from the extended edition. Because when we get to the title card in the original theatrical cut, it's just Frodo reading his book by that tree. But here we're seeing Bilbo working on his book. A Hobbit's there and back again. A Hobbit's tale. And I do like this intro just a little bit better, too. Just sets the tone for, you know, how it's setting up the journey going off of Bilbo recounting his journey that he had, especially once we saw a little bit of that in the prologue. I wonder why you would cut that cut, cut this part on. I guess, I guess, you know, if you just want to get straight to what's going on, right? Mm. Yeah, because if I remember right, it's been a while since I saw the theatrical cut, but we don't even get all this stuff in the Shire until Frodo meets Gandalf. 
if I remember right. But this oh, is so, so you, you don't even see all this uh, bag and stuff. Yeah, I believe. So. Yeah, not until we uh, get to Frodo and Gandalf on the wagon. Or like how hobbits are, or who they are, or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I see. Pretty much, I think doing the chapter from the book concerning hobbits. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, well, yeah, that's our minute by minute commentary. Um, again, we go minute by minute, <laughs> so we're getting to, just a slice. <laughs> yes. To be honest, I was surprised the prologue was under ten minutes. I was expecting it to be at least ten and probably more, but. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell everybody about our feature topic for today, Tim? Yeah, so this episode's feature topic is going to be the latest comic book adaption to be brought into live action. And that is going to be our review of the Sweet Tooth series, which just hit Netflix a couple of weeks ago. And me and Dane have both finished watching it. And we kind of talked about it last we recorded our last episode, figure out we we're talking about if we saw it or not. And you saw a few episodes and I saw a few episodes, but... Uh, we didn't finish it yet, but now that we have, we wanted to talk about it because I'm interested to have this conversation because we're both coming from it from two different perspectives. I'm coming from as someone who knew about the comic, but never actually read it. And to be honest, I kind of actually forgot about it. But once I saw that the series was announced, and saw the trailer, I go, oh, yeah, I remember that scene covers and images of the comic of a boy with deer antlers, but I knew nothing about it. Or on the opposite end, Dane, you've read the comics, and from what you were telling me last week, you loved that series. So it's <laughs> going to be interesting coming from these two different perspectives as far as what we thought of the Netflix series. So, yeah. yeah, I guess for me starting it off, going in as someone who didn't know anything about the comic, um, just when I saw the trailer, the premise of it caught my interest because it is one of those things that it's all the all too familiar post-apocalyptic world, the human race is dying off, all that stuff. And that's, that doesn't necessarily get me excited. But once I saw how different this was, was when you're introducing the premise of hybrids of children being born, half human and half animals, um, that's something that's unique and caught my interest as far as what the series can be about and having it be really interesting. So I, I did really like the trailer when I saw it and I was going to watch the series regardless, just based on the premise and what was shown in that trailer. And for the most part, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I really thought the characters were great. And uh, just like, again, the story and the premise of it kept me invested and interested to see where things are going to go. And I will say one of my nitpicks about it was that I felt certain episodes, it kind of was focusing. There was like maybe there's three different characters and scenarios that this, this season focused on. And I felt sometimes one episode would focus way too much on one set and then not so much on the other. And you kind of forget about those characters. So I just felt the kind of the overall pacing of it wasn't perfect in each episode, but not enough to where I didn't lose interest or couldn't follow what's going on. You just kind of forgot about certain elements <laughs> as you're watching uh, the episode. So um, I really enjoyed it as just as a series on itself and looking forward to more to seeing where the story goes and what's going to happen to these characters. But I will say after I finished the series, it made me want to read the comics and I am now 20 issues in. This is one of the things I've done <laughs> while I was home from work. I just kind of binged a lot of those early issues and I'm really, really loving the comic series as uh, you were kind of 
alluding me to <laughs> our last episode game, or I should say yeah. when we talked after our last episode. <laughs> but um, I got, there's only 40 issues in the run, correct? Because that's all I'm seeing on the DC uh, Infinite app. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's a really short run. I think there's only like uh, four or five collected volumes. Mm. Yeah, okay. and, and those are pretty brief too. Yeah, the issues they do read really fast. <laughs> I'm noticing yeah. where it's like, man, it's over already. Like, move on to the next one. So I'm um, 20 issues in there, but from what I read so far, it's I'm kind of torn between because I really enjoy what I saw on the show, but then there's some great stuff in the comics where I was like, man, I really wish they did some of that too. So <laughs> kind of like yeah. in and in between here, but I kind of know what you were talking about, Dave, when you were telling me um, certain things that you felt were done differently in the show in regards to the comic, but I'm enjoying both. I'm just kind of glad I'm now invested in this universe of Sweet Tooth uh, created by Jeff Lemire. And I'm really, really liking the story and the characters that he introduced um, in this, in the series and, and now in the comics, even though they're vastly different. Uh, what part are you on in the comic? Uh, I totally forget what issue. 20 okay. Is. Yeah. I'm just at the point where um, the three the three girls kind of got caught. There was, like, there was like this issue with their vignette stories, kind of telling yeah. about their past, and they got captured in this net. And now Sweet Tooth and Big Man are going to go looking for them, or looking for them. Uh, so that was the last issue where I left off. Oh, uh, yeah. I, that, that's... <laughs> you you gonna like what's what's uh what's gonna happen? Okay, cool. Yeah, because man, that uh that arc leading up to it where they go to rescue uh Sweet Tooth and yeah. what was learned about uh Big Man <laughs> and his child, I was like, oh man, this is brutal. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a little more brutal than what we get in the in the TV show. Yeah. I should say uh, right off the bat to spoiler warning if you haven't watched the show yet or if you're planning to read the comics yeah. definitely going to go into some of the big stuff that happens yeah um, so I watched like the I can't remember the last time we recorded where exactly I was but I think I was like a couple episodes in and I just could not get into it because you read the comic and I read this comic when it came out and I just fell in love with it and it's so there's some elements some themes I guess you could say that are similar with the comics Uh, but besides that it's kind of not it it doesn't have that dark gritty feeling to it I mean it kind of does but it it's mostly like a like a family TV show yeah that did Which confuse, is a if, good thing. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. there's like some some of the press stuff where you can hear like Robert Downey Jr. and and his wife talk about since they serve as producers, kind of how they do want to make it more as a hopeful series and like you said, more geared towards family. Yeah. And that's coming from a dark place, but not really diving too much in that, but giving that hopeful feeling uh, that you see throughout the course of the series. So yeah, definitely agree on that. <laughs> yeah. So like I. I don't know, it, it was kind of like reading one thing and then going into it and then experience it, uh, experiencing a completely different thing. And that I, I think it, it was more, it just threw me for a loop sure. rather than I didn't like it. 
Uh, and, you know, I don't like, like I was telling you, Tim, after we recorded uh, last the, the last episode, I, I didn't want to be that guy that's like, you know, only the comics are the greatest thing and this TV show sucks because the comics are the greatest thing and they didn't do the comic and everything sucks, right? I don't want to be that yeah. guy. <laughs> uh, but as the show went on, I started to really like what they were doing, uh, especially with characters like Dr. Singh, who is a bit one note in the, uh, in the comic. Um, I don't know if you've gotten to it yet, so I'm not going to say it, but, or I think I can, I think I can ask you, did, did, did you get to the part where he finds, uh, Gus's dad's journal. Um, Starts reading it. I'm trying to remember. Is that like the part where he hypnotizes Gus and kind of goes through his memory? Or is it like... Cause, yeah. Because I did yeah. read that. That was before they, they escaped. So I'm trying to remember okay. if that was where he got that journal also. Yeah, that. And then... Um, you know, I'm not going to... Never mind. Yeah, just to play it safe. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> um, I really like what they did with Doctor Singh, and I, I, I began to appreciate that they took the hard edge off some of the characters, like like Jeffrey. Because mm. uh, I mean, like that was the thing. Like in the comic, Jeffrey, you know sort of betrays Gus. You know, he makes like he's Gus's friend yeah. and then he betrays him like really, really badly so that he could have the bones of his wife. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the biggest first things obviously you notice when especially for me coming from the show to the comics, like wow, <laughs> this is like yeah. totally a one eighty from uh how things left with Gus and the big man <laughs> at, the, at the end yeah, of the first it, season. It's especially the 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 Jeopard character. I mean, it, it's it's really depressing because, like, at, at the end of the or at the, in, in the middle of the first arc, which is pretty much the television show, he gets his wife's bones back and he takes her to their home and buries her, and then he's going to kill himself, right? Yep. So, uh, I I really like how they sort of uh, using this you know sort of hopeful aspect that they they sort of. Uh, got to explore the characters a little more and change the characters a little bit. Or, I, uh, I guess in Jeffrey's case, a lot. Um, and uh, especially the uh, the father character, um, played by uh, Will Forte. Yeah. Uh, he is just a whisper in the... in the, in the comic book, because he dies in the first issue, and you don't really see him until... Mm later uh you, you don't really figure out what's going on with him until later on and what happened um yeah because i like in the yeah. show how we pretty much the first episode is just establishing that relationship between gus and his dad and just yeah how yeah. close they were tell, yeah you could tell he was loved right? <laughs> exactly yeah. like, uh, as in the cop whereas in the comic it's like his father is a full-on like uh he, he he's crazy he's yeah. crazy He's, he's having these visions and you don't really know what's going on and he, he, he just it doesn't even seem like he, he loves Gus uh, it, it, and you're kind of wondering like, like if, if you don't 
this kid, I mean, like, like, why did you even take this kid in the first place? You know? So, uh, also I really like <laughs> at the very, very, very end of the TV show. I really like how they kept, um, uh, Gus's mother alive <laughs> at, the, at the end. Yeah. Mm. I kind of uh, had a feeling she was too, yeah. but it did. It was a good way to set up for what's hopefully going to come in season two. And again, yeah. not knowing her full story or what happens in the comics, I'll probably find out in a few days. But I am curious to see how this is all going to lead. And probably them going to Alaska. I'm not sure in the, in the TV show, but uh, yeah, I was definitely glad it ended on that note, revealing that she is still alive. Yeah, and did you get to the part in the comic where they? Uh sort of reveal how the virus came to be no not yet okay uh because i'm really interested on what they're gonna do with that because it's it's such a specific way that, that uh the, the virus is it escapes uh, oh, okay first time that uh seems like they're going in a completely different opposite direction with this one so, yeah, we'll see. But, um, but overall, I, I I really ended up enjoying the show. Um, it, 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 like I said, it just threw me for a loop, like a real big loop in, um, in the first couple of episodes because I was thinking, you know, we're going to get the dark, gritty, depressing Sweet Tooth. And it was something completely different and it just took a little bit to get used to that um but i really loved it i i, I really did at the at the end i mean after i watched all the episodes i, I really en- ended up uh enjoying it so yeah yeah and i could totally understand how anyone who was a big fan of the comic like you were just being like you described throwing for throwing for a loop when you saw it because it is it's really different if you're expecting it to be a pretty close adaption to the comic um, unless you kind of read up on it beforehand and knew it was going to be different but if not you just went and watching it, it i could see how it would be kind of hard to take to it right away once you're just used to something that is totally totally different <laughs> than what was in the comics and yeah as i mentioned before that was one of the things i'm kind of torn between as far as certain things that i liked better in the comic and certain things I like better in the show and then just certain things I'm not sure which version I like better because they're really done really well and again going back to the whole relationship between uh, Gus and Jeopard I mean it is something that we've seen before in a lot of stories the hard-nosed uh, reluctant uh, adult who takes on this little kid this white-eyed kid eventually seeing the world for the first time annoying him at first but then they start getting close together and again I like how that was done in the show with Jeopard how it was Something, of course, reluctantly he took on Gus and t- wanted to take him to Colorado to see, uh, to meet his mother and not necessarily to preserve as it was in the comic. But I thought both worked really well as far as establishing their their relationship moving forward and what they went through. And just how to the whole, going back to Jeopard and his whole backstory. Because um, once watching the show before I read the comics and just kind of expecting them to reveal a little more of that before the season's over because he mentioned how he lost his wife and daughter or wife and child, but he never said, but they were dead. So I kind of figured it's probably nothing that's 
that simple. And then when we got the reveal in the season one finale where um, everything was going crazy because of the virus and he was taking his wife to the hospital to give birth and how he was already kind of nervous that um, a hybrid might be born as his child and how he didn't want that. And just how once it was revealed that his child was a hybrid and how he was pretty much going to leave, he went to the elevator contemplating just leaving them both right then and there. And I figured, oh man, is that going to be something where the way he is, the way he is in the series, just that extreme amount of guilt that he must have because of abandoning his wife and his child, just because he was born a hybrid. And that, that would have worked in itself as far as him maybe wanting to try to make amends for that and why he would join up with the last men as was, as it was revealed in the show too, that he used to work with them. But then it throws it for another loop where he does meet, Dr. Singh in the elevator and he kind of gives him a little pep talk and made him realize it's going to be a hard and a struggle, but he has to do it. And then how he reveals the guts, he was kind of more afraid from himself than um, being able to love the child and care for the child as a hybrid more than anything. But um, just another thing that makes it worse though, as it's revealed when he goes to see back to the child, his wife and his child are gone already taken. He doesn't say by whom, but you're probably, uh, kind of safe to assume maybe someone involved with the last men and then uh, obviously at the end of the whole sequence of him telling the story to Gus uh, he gets shot by someone in the last men so they can come and kidnap Gus and that's kind of how they're separated in the show versus to how him just dropping Gus off at the preserve or lying that it, saying, telling it was a preserve and yet just giving him to the last men for as you said Dane just to get the bones of his dead wife and so it's vastly different, but and I did really enjoy that. But then once I started reading the comics and then we got the backstory to Jeopard and what happened to him there, I was like, oh, man, this is really compelling stuff, too. <laughs> and just that makes you really invested in that character to see um, what what he's going to do next and just how he was kidnapped or he was lied to him and his wife were lied to by the last men thinking they were going to be taken to a safe shelter. And instead, they just wanted his pregnant wife so they could. Uh, take the hybrid a child and do what they wanted to do an experiment on him and then him finding out or being told that his wife and child are dead and him having to break out of that containment camp and then thinking that his child and wife are dead throughout the course of that story too and then as i mentioned earlier where you get the gut punch reveal that you're first introduced to this hybrid buddy who uh, i believe is a horse and he doesn't say much but he's very very pale, very skin, skinly. No, you definitely tell he has, hasn't been taken care of in this uh, encampment that he's in. And then in the comic where Jeopard goes to rescue Gus and some of the other hybrids, um, he has to leave Buddy behind because he's being torn apart by these vicious dog hybrids um, by the leader of the animal gang uh, that uh, Jeopard recruited to try to take down the last man to rescue Gus. And just saying... He has. To, we have to go. We have to leave him behind. And the last words he hears from Buddy is like barely utter the words "dad" or "daddy," something like that. And then as the door shut, you just see that shock on Jeffrey's face. It's like, oh man, I can't believe they did that. What a what a gut punch! And cool. this made me think, wow, what's what's going to happen next with Jeopard here? And it's just really interesting stuff. And that's one of the moments where I go, I just really wish somehow they kind of incorporate that steel in the TV show. And I think they can maybe, I don't think it's going to be done that brutal, but it probably will get revealed that 
Shepard's son is still alive. And maybe when he goes, because you know he's going to go try to rescue Gus. It was already alluded to with him and Amy, uh, that she's the one who rescued him from his gunshot wound, that they're probably going to make their rescue attempt. So there might be a moment like that. I really hope there is, because it is such a powerful moment that the comic that just really stuck with you. And to get something like that in the show, too, I think would just be really impactful and just do more for the character of Jeopard as well. So we'll see. But again, just two totally different dynamics of, for the character, but yet they lead to a place that just makes you invested in that character as well. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. It's something that I can't wait to see more of. And hopefully we get a second season sooner rather than later. And yeah, just looking forward to seeing more of these characters and I'm both looking forward to seeing more of the show, but I really can't wait to finish the comic series. I'll probably finish that uh, this weekend and just maybe give give me some more speculation and ideas of what possible directions the show can go, but doing things in a different way at the same time. So should be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely one of the better endings to a comic uh, that I've read. So uh, I think you're going to be happy. With oh. uh, the conclusion of Sweet Tooth. <laughs> nice. Uh, this 20 more issues. Yeah, 20 issues to go because there was 40. I'm about halfway through. So, yeah. Definitely can't wait. Um, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so what would you rate the first season oh. of the show if you had to give it a score? Um, a four. A three and a half or four. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably, I'm in that same range too. I'd probably go, I'd go as high as a four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one other little nitpick I had too is I was I would I love the look of how the hybrids were done, especially with Gus and uh, what's her name, uh, the little girl who's uh, a pig. Big, uh, big girl. Yeah. Uh, was it Wendy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Wendy. They they look good, but then you had the little puppet and like uh, like a puppet slash animatronic cut version of Bobby, the little gopher. Um, yeah. But then once they started revealing some of the other hybrid kids, I just felt like the budget on the makeup kind of took a back seat <laughs> a little bit because some of it kind of just looked really like home costume made or I don't know. <laughs> some of them look better than others. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess I can see that. Um, but I mean, just as long as Gus looks good, which he does, and then uh, uh, Wendy looks good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's it, right? Yeah. <laughs> the ones they really need to focus on, yeah, and unless they so do that... something with Jeopard's kid, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that was the other big change, too. Uh, with talk, speaking of uh, Wendy, how she's the sister of Bear, uh, Becky in the TV show, oh, and yeah. is, she, is she even in the comics? Is, did they change her that much where I'm not recognizing her in the comics? Because obviously, the whole thing with the, that animal. Army was totally different than how it is in the TV show. Yeah. Um, I, if I'm remembering correctly, Wendy was a single child who was yeah. being raised by her mom, right? Yes. Mm, yeah. And then, um, I can't remember what happens. I think they, they get ratted out somehow and then the mother gets taken away. Yeah. She like kills a bunch of like people too. <laughs> like, uh, like when she's right, taken in, away in the hospital yeah okay? uh, and then um uh the the people burn her house down and then um 
You see, I, I I totally forget how that how that happened. But 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 no, she she doesn't have a sister. Yeah, that's the. I I think the sister character is a stand-in for uh, uh, Lucy and. Um, oh my god, I can't I can't remember uh, what their names are. But the the blonde-haired girl. Yeah, that there was okay. Yeah, I I I think uh, the sister character is a stand-in for that. You know. Because yeah. they get sort of close. Okay. Got yeah. it. That would make sense. Well, but, or, or this makes sense for a change. Uh, Wendy was a single child and then living with her living with her mom. And then her mom gets taken away and then she tries to come back but she gets sick or something. And then um, Wendy is just left waiting there for her. And she's waiting and waiting and waiting and then she gets the mom, the mom never comes back. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, one of those scenarios where like she doesn't know what happened to her. Right, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I think, I think that's what that is. Yeah. But I did like how like those that animal gang in I forget what their names they had a name, but in in the TV show, this too, how just like these group of kids who are just banding together, taking on like their favorite animals to help protect hybrids. Um, and t- hunt down the last men who are trying to hunt down the hybrids. So I did like that aspect too, and I'm sure that'll come into play later on. Um, again, I'm really hoping now that we get that whole rescue sequence done in the TV show. I'm sure it'll be done differently, but if you get more of that, those group of that animal gang going against the last men while Jeopard and Amy are trying to rescue the hybrids, it should make for uh, a cool sequence in the TV show. So hopefully that will be the case in season two or three. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I'd probably, uh, I, my final score, I'd probably give it a four as well. I, I really enjoyed it besides some of those little nitpicks that I've had. Again, it's just great. I'm glad I'm just getting invested into this whole uh, world now of, of Sweet Tooth and these characters, both in the TV show and in the comic. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, uh, the, the entire first season is pretty much the first trade, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Except that uh, they don't break out, right? No, yeah, because I think the second arc is dealing with Gus in captivity and Jeopard kind of reflecting on his past and everything that went down there. And I think the third is oh. when they actually get rescued or the rescue attempt starts. Wow, really? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, that, a, that's a really... Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, you're right. It, it, it really does go really quickly. Yeah, the uh, issues uh, definitely move fast. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, I'm wondering what you're going to think. Uh, so, 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 let me know when you do read it. Um, I, I wonder what you're going to think when you find out the uh, the origin of the virus. Okay, <laughs> which you should be uh, coming up to pretty soon. Yeah. Okay. Be- because they, you saw they got the three girls got captured. Yeah. So they mm-hmm. go someplace. Yeah. And then that story is told, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, let me know what you think. <laughs> okay, I'll prepare myself for another bomb drop. <laughs> it, it, especially the way it's written. I, I, I wonder how you're going to react to that. And um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to shut my mouth then. Okay. Uh, now. <laughs> I'll definitely let you know once I get to that point. 
Um, so, uh, yeah, that's our feature topic for this episode. Definitely watch Sweet Tooth, um, and especially read the comic book. Um, uh, so now we can move on to our news and discussion topics. Uh, Tim, do you want to talk about the the Titans season three teaser trailer first? Yeah, so we just got that this past Thursday, I believe, and it's a teaser trailer for another trailer that's coming next month. But uh, it looks cool. Uh, we've got our glimpses of some of the stuff uh, that were revealed for season three, like Red Hood. His costume looks really cool. Got a glimpse of Jonathan Crane in this ser- in this little teaser. But the big thing about it that really caught me by surprise is that they're actually going to attempt to do a little bit of a death in the family because once they announced that Jason was going to be red hood in season three, I thought there was going to be something doing something totally different kind of, I guess, akin to sweet tooth and <laughs> doing from the TV show to the comic where they're not going to do where he gets captured by the Joker or get killed and then come back as red hood. He just somehow just going to abandon the name or the mantle of Robin and adopt the mantle of red hood. And I was just prepared for to be a totally different reason. But in this teaser trailer, we get the reveal that Jason, in his Robin costume, goes into this abandoned amusement park, and he sees this dead body with a Joker smile grin on there, and then you hear the Joker laugh. And then we get a a shot, um, not very close up, but it's kind of a wide shot of someone in a silhouette hitting someone on the ground with a crowbar in that amusement park. And you could figure out who's who in that moment, especially when you hear the laughter. So I'm not sure if Jason's actually going to be killed by the Joker, but... He's definitely going to have a brutal encounter with the Joker in Titans to set him on the path to Red Hood. And that took me by surprise because, I, like I said, I wasn't expecting him to go that route. But I do appreciate that they are going to attempt to take the biggest moment in the character of Jason Todd um, that really ends up defining him um, in that encounter with the Joker that sets him on the path to Red Hood. So I do appreciate that they're going to throw in that element in there and we'll see how they handle it because if there's one knock i have on titans is that they could just have too many things going on at the same time when it should really be focused on just one or two centered story arcs and it's like season two had almost i felt like three or four going on which kind of took away from some some of the really good stuff that was in that season so hopefully this will be more focused especially when they're doing something as big as uh, jason todd going into the mantle of Red Hood because it was of his encounter with the Joker. So we shall see. But it looks really cool, though. I'm, I'm excited for to see the full trailer and just the season when it begins in August because they did announce that that's when it's going to premiere on HBO Max. So uh, we shall see. But definitely looking forward to it. So Joker isn't in. It, it, he He's not going to be in Titans. No, I don't think he's going to be someone who's actually like, where they're going to cast an actor. You're just probably going to see these uh, wide shots or shot like dark silhouette shots of him and hear some laughter. That's pretty much, I think, the extent of the Joker we're going to see. Unless they're keeping it a big secret and they're not even telling us who's playing the Joker and he will be in it, but I don't think that's going to be the case. What happened to that Pennyworth show? Is that that show still on? I I think it had two or three seasons, but I don't think it's continuing. I thought I remember reading somewhere that it might not or maybe it might move from, I think because it's on Epics, it might yeah. maybe move to HBO Max or something. But yeah, that's right. You really haven't heard too much on that when it premiered. Like, if it was good or bad. Oh, uh, it, it was reported that the series was looking to move to HBO Max for a potential third season. Okay, yeah, that's that sounds about right. Or at least the last I heard of it. 
I totally forgot about this show. Yeah. I mean, when and you I don't have a network that it's on, it's kind of, you yeah. kind of forget about it. Because what was it on? Uh, oh, Epics. Epics. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never, I've never uh, seen any epic show. So. <laughs> it's the same here. Yeah. So if it goes to HBO Max, I think that'll definitely be a good thing <laughs> to make it fun. Yeah. At least see a few episodes. Maybe people will actually see it. Let's see what it's Rotten Tomatoes score is. Oh, 73. Not that yeah. bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I guess that's, I guess it's all right. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, let's talk about E3, Tim. Yes, what, let's talk uh, about E3. What interested you? Uh, maybe it was uh, Dying Light 2? Or maybe it was uh back for blood i think that game was called because i know you love zombie stuff <laughs> <laughs> ah boy you know we owe every e3 we always talk about it in our on our episode when same time that goes on and we talk about the stuff we're excited for but this one man I don't, i'm sorry dan i don't know if you feel the same way but this is one of the worst e3 for me, in a very long time, maybe ever, because there was pretty much hardly anything that got me excited. I got more mad at stuff than <laughs> stuff that got me really? excited. I mean, I mean, going first with Microsoft, I, everyone said they had a great showing, and that's cool if you're excited for all the games that were there, but man, really none of the games got me interested. I mean, it was cool. I was glad to see some more of Halo Infinite, but that was I thought they would show more of that. They did, that really didn't have a big pre- presence, but it did look better than that first demo they showed. So that's good. But no, some of the other stuff. Curious though, Tim. That that makes me curious. Like, wasn't this supposed to be an Xbox launch title? It was. Like, it yeah, <laughs> it really was. So, so like, why why aren't they showing more of it? Now? Yeah. I mean, t- time has passed. Like, like, w- w- why not show more of it? Is is it still like super? Yeah, like, like, like in its alpha stage, still, or like, it shouldn't because it's supposed like to come out this holiday, <laughs> right? Like, like, what's going on with that? I know maybe they're saving it for like a separate event or something, but yeah, I was expecting to have a bigger presence there. And I think they did have another thing where they showed more of the multiplayer, um, but yeah, uh-huh. still, I think not enough for me to suppose, like, oh man, I absolutely can't wait. But it's, it's a Halo game, I'm gonna get it regardless. But just to get that excitement going even more, especially being unimpressed with that first demo they revealed and the whole reason for it getting pushed back. I thought that it would have had a really big presence at the show to get people on who were maybe disappointed with it more on board and excited for this next-gen Halo game, but that really wasn't the case. And I think a lot of it, too, is because obviously they had the big merger with Bethesda, and I'm just not really a big fan of Bethesda games. I really haven't really played many of them, or any of them, really. And I know that was a big focus for some of their new titles coming out. It was just like, okay, well, it looks good, I guess. But there's nothing that really excited me, especially on the Microsoft uh, panels that they had. So, yeah, it's just probably just me being uh, that old man gamer. <laughs> just not getting excited about some of the new stuff that's coming down the pipeline. Because a lot of it just seems really similar to me. How the graphics look, the settings. Like you mentioned, some more zombie games, which <laughs> I'm sick to death of. But... Yeah, so I wasn't really impressed with Microsoft's showing there. And then here's the big one that got me annoyed. 
Square Enix is presentation. So <laughs> they just released the Final Fantasy VII Remake um, Integrate DLC, which was cool. The whole that a little side story with Yuffie, which was pretty fun. I, I really enjoyed that and has a free upgrade to the PS5 graphics, which, man, it looks even better. <laughs> it just looks really great. So I figured, OK, that's out before E3. They don't have to focus on that. Maybe just maybe we'll get some small snippet or tease of part two of Final Fantasy VII Remake. But of course, we don't. Nothing. And you think they announced Final Fantasy 16 during a special Sony event uh, last year, like just before the PS5 launch. And so maybe we'll get an update at that. I mean, this is E3 after all. This is where you showcase some of the big games that are coming out. Nothing. Just a little brief footage of it in a sizzle reel of upcoming Square Enix games. So nothing on Final Fantasy 16. Nothing on Final Fantasy 7 Remake Part 2. And the, this is the biggest one that got me annoyed, Dane. They what I've been wanting for a long time now is to have all the Final Fantasy games on one console. I mean, they put from 7 up to 15 on the Xbox. So those are all there. The only thing that's missing is the original 6, the NES and Super Nintendo games. I would love to have those. So there's a trailer that starts that's saying Final Fantasies 1 through 6, the classics, are going to be remastered. I'm like, yes, this is what I've been hoping for. Okay, this, this is all I want. I'm excited. And then literally about 15 seconds later, that excitement turns to disappointments. Why? Because they're only releasing those games on Steam and for mobile devices. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, Square. Why? In this day and age, why don't, aren't these on consoles? Why isn't any game you develop is on console? It's just, oh, you could have had all Final Fantasy games on one system. And I've been wanting to revisit those classics as well. And they're going to have a, again, a re, it's called like the Pixel Remastered. So it's going to have some visual upgrades, but still have that classic 8-bit and 16-bit graphic style that I love. And so I was like, oh, that was got to be kidding me. So disappointed when those aren't coming to consoles. I know I wasn't the only one. So hopefully there'd be a lot of Final Fantasy fans who are going to let Square know that we want this on a console and they could put it on there because that was such a big disappointment. I was like, I I was so close to having one of the things I was hoping for (laughs) at E3 be announced. And it was, but yet it got announced in a totally different way. So that was a real bummer for me. And then the they, Square announced the Guardians of the Galaxy game, which was cool. But I, uh, speaking of which, I finally bought the Avengers game, Dane, because it was on sale for like 20 bucks <laughs> during right, E3. Right. So I haven't played it yet, but that was the price where if I'm just going to enjoy the story mode, it'll probably be worth it. So, uh, But when they announced that Guardians of the Galaxy game, it had the same issues I felt with the Avengers, where those character models, especially Peter Quill, some of them just look downright awful. <laughs> Where it's like they're trying to be the MCU, but at the same time being their own thing, and it's it's a blend that just doesn't work so far with the two games that they've done with their character models. Peter Quill is just like, oh man, he doesn't look anything like Chris Chris Pratt. He doesn't look anything like how he did in the comics. It's almost like this jock pretty boy with slick blonde hair. He doesn't look like the rugged scavenger that he does in the in the movie and even some of the earlier comments, comment, uh, comics where he was this kind of seasoned veteran like military leader. But it's just the design that I just had to laugh when I saw it. It's just not good. But uh, the gameplay does, does look good uh, where some people are complaining that it's not multiplayer, which I can understand because you're only going to play as Star-Lord. 
but you're going to be able to issue commands to the other guardians as they're fighting alongside with you in battles and have like these the combination attacks as well. Um, so it is kind of puzzling why they didn't make a multiplayer, but at the same time, I do appreciate when, especially nowadays where games are focusing on single player, because that is kind of rare <laughs> uh, to get games like that. So it does look cool. I like how it is a decision-based game to you where you have to make different choices uh, throughout the course of far as using certain characters and making some tough decisions. So it probably has a little Mass Effect vibe to it as well, which it should be fun. So um, that game does look good, character designs aside. So <laughs> that one did get me a little bit of excited. But um, but nothing was as disappointing as that Final Fantasy announcement. That just really irked me. And I still get annoyed thinking about it <laughs> as I'm talking about it right now, how those six original games aren't coming to consoles. <sighs> so frustrating. Well, they did release... Uh... Uh, an announcement on a new Final Fantasy VII. Is it like a mobile game, or is it like a yeah like a battle arena? <laughs> yeah, it is a mobile game. It's like a retelling of the story, kind of like a quick version, like retelling of the story. Yeah. I think <laughs> the graphic style looks pretty cool, though. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're really into like the those those sort of like because it, it is like a PvP sort of game, right? I'm not sure. I haven't delved too much oh. into it as far as when it was first announced it was announced a while ago if i remember right but oh, oh, oh yeah that's the other thing they announced they announced this i forget it's like this long name but it's like this final fantasy it's this game that takes place in the main dungeon of the very first final fantasy game with the main villain chaos and so it's like it's like a prelude to that but then you got these three main characters who look so out of place in that fantasy setting or it looks like they should be in more like a Devil May Cry game or something like that. And it's like the dialogue is sent really, it's like that macho man action movie type of dialogue. You hear him saying like, everyone would make a joke, a joke of it. They just kept saying over and over, I got to kill chaos. I got to kill chaos. And then I, they released a demo of it and I didn't even make it that far. It just, it just wasn't for me. It just didn't even feel like Final Fantasy was with those characters. So that just sent really weird as well. To do a pre like a precursor game to the original, but have it feel totally different. It was just really strange. <laughs> yeah, um, for me, uh, nothing really impressed me. Uh, Starfield, I guess uh, the Bethesda game. I know, you, yeah, I, I know. You said you're not really a fan of uh, uh, Bethesda's games, but. Uh, that looks interesting. It's just too bad I'll, I'll never get to play it because I don't have a PC and I don't have an Xbox. So, um, yeah. Uh, I, I guess War, uh, War for uh, Wakanda, uh, the the Avengers DLC, mm-hmm. the Marvel's of, of Avengers DLC. Um, that looks pretty interesting. Uh, but beyond that, uh, nothing really. I mean, it's pretty much just your normal stuff. You know, your battlefield, uh, yeah. your zombie games, <laughs> kind of like, like how you said. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm kind of uh, unimpressed. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I will say yeah. Nintendo did have the best one out of all of them. Um, the whole Metroid Dread reveal that was really cool. Getting a 2D Metroid game. Yeah, but I I don't know how that's I don't know I, I I can see myself getting irritated at constantly being um followed 
or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> or hunted, you know. Yeah, it'll be interesting how much of that gameplay mechanic is going to be used over the course of the whole game. I guess as you're making your way through the map that you're on. Yeah. And then obviously we got probably the best trailer out of everything, <laughs> even though it was short. The Breath of the Wild two trailer for the Legend of Zelda. And man, they're really keeping that one still closely guarded as far as what that game is going to be about. Uh, because they did show some new stuff like those floating islands, which I think is going to have a connection to Skyward Sword. But I think there's going to be some time travel stuff going on here because you do have that look of Link where he has longer hair. He's kind of has this like rugged clothing. And I like the speculation too that I've seen on it where we might be seeing that. Because if you remember in Breath of the Wild, the opening sequence where it has that art retelling the first like the ancient battle of the hero and the Calamity Ganon. And the link in this new trailer that you see with the long hair, it looks more like that artwork that we see in that story retelling of the first Calamity. So I think there's going to be something where either Link travels back in time or he gets connected to that original hero because we see he gets infected with that stuff on his arm, which is going to give him some new abilities in the game. But maybe that connects him to the past where you relive the original hero going up against Calamity Ganon in that time period. Because I really think we're going to get some different eras of the in the Zelda game. And I think they're keeping that a secret right now. But Because they didn't even show that Link's face in the trailer. You just see him from behind. And there was other speculation. Oh, maybe you're playing as Ganondorf here. That's why you're not seeing his face. Which would be a really interesting surprise. <laughs> and something totally unique for a Zelda game if they go that route. But uh, it was a short trailer, but still enough to... Still enough new stuff revealed that gets you excited and just can't wait to learn more about this game, which is coming in 2022. So we'll see if it's early 2022 or holiday 2022 because Zelda's and Final Fantasy game, whenever they announce a new, like in a release date, you can't accept that as the firm date because you know they're just going to get pushed back again. <laughs> it happens with every one of those games. So uh, we'll see about Zelda, but it's looking great. I can't wait to play more of Breath of the Wild and just ex- more of that type of Zelda game is going to be so much fun because, as you know, Breath of the Wild was a masterpiece. So uh, that was Nintendo definitely had the best showing with the Metroid, Zelda. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get an announcement about, because there's so many rumors going around about a Zelda uh, HD collection, kind of similar to Mario for its 31st anniversary that um, came out last year and we're expecting the same for Zelda. Um, Because obviously there was the Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD that were on the Wii U, but I mean, I've been wanting to play those on the Switch, so I'm hoping they'll do something they haven't announced yet, and we'll get those. And even an Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask kind of HD bundle would be cool too. So, uh, some explaining for a little more on the celebration of Zelda's 35th anniversary. Uh, so hopefully that'll come at a later time. But I thought overall Nintendo had the best showing of E3, but at the same time they didn't have much competition. It was kind of just an automatic win for them because, at least in my opinion, where Nothing in any of the other shows got me excited. So Nintendo already won before the show even started. So <laughs> yeah, just a disappointing E3 overall. Yeah. I mean, we usually have a few games that we're excited about when we talk about E3 each year, but not the case on this one. It was just really a letdown for me. And maybe part of that reason is because Sony wasn't there because they usually have great press conferences as well. And I think their, pre- their absence was felt at this E3. How about a Zelda game where... He goes back in time to when he was a kid, and he finds an ocarina. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what? If they make a game like that, I think it would probably be my favorite game of all time. <laughs> 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 it 
And you might as well just call it the Ocarina of Time. That has a nice ring to yeah. it, doesn't it? Might as well, right? <laughs> Sounds good. Yes, um, it does. <laughs> no uh, Shredder's Revenge. I know. That was the other thing, too. I was like, I wanted yeah. a release date. Can we at least get that? <laughs> yeah, it just says 21, I think. Tw- yeah. Uh, 2021. So. Yeah, probably yeah. fourth quarter 2021, Tim. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping for still like maybe a late summer release, but you're probably right. It's probably more of a holiday release. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, it's just a side scroller. I know. It's a, it's pretty <laughs> a simple game to develop. So unless yeah. <laughs> I, I'm maybe now I'm going to get my hopes up for something that's not going to happen, but maybe they're going to do something special and put the original arcade game on there and Turtles in Time as a bonus. So you can have three games oh, in one there. <laughs> Don't say that. Nothing would make me happy. Massively let down. Really not. I'm gonna be massively let down now. When it's just <laughs> just revenge. No matter ten out of ten on IGN, it's it's still gonna be a, a five out of ten because there's no original arcade. <laughs> hey, the original NES and the arcade game. So that's another. Those are other two games. I'm just really hoping get a console upgrade. Turtles arcade game and Turtles in Time because you can't you can't get those anywhere right now unless you get those arcade cabinets. Uh, and I yeah. just, would just love to play those online with with you and just other friends and just they're just made for that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they. It, it, it's got to be a rights issue. I think right? it is, but those rights usually yeah. go to different studios. I mean, Ubisoft had it first, then Activision had it. So, I'm not sure mm-hmm. who has it right now, but whoever does, make that happen. <laughs> But speaking of games, oh, though, Dane, I gotta yeah. say the new Ratchet and Clank on the PS5, man, it's amazing. <laughs> it's really? easily the best looking new console generation game I've seen so far. Just the way really? they're doing with the level design and just how, because it's called, uh, you go through different dimensions, and over the course of the first opening sequence, you're just traveling through these different like planets and areas, and just the way it seamless, seamlessly transitions you through those different areas while you're controlling Ratchet, it's just amazing. I was blown away by it. And that was just an opening sequence. And so far, the rest of the game is following suit very nicely. It's just a visual marvel. I'm just really impressed with it. Yeah, it didn't really impress me. But but maybe it's because it's like that cartoon style. Yeah, if you're not, I guess if you're not into that type of visual style, you might not be impressed, but man, yeah. <laughs> I don't see how you could be, at least from the technical standpoint of how it transitions to all those different detailed environments so seamlessly while you're playing it. It was just really cool. I don't know. You, you know, never say never because I might just buy it because there's a surprising lack of PS5 games. Um, well, I mean, at least that interests me. Mm-hmm. Uh, on these new consoles, it's like that that Returnal game doesn't really interest me. Uh, Call of Duty doesn't really interest me. So, like, what what else is there? You know, you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, at least PS5 has some stuff. I mean, Xbox for me has nothing on the exclusive oh, yeah, front. Right. But... Maybe but... I shouldn't be. Maybe I should be grateful. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, that that's it for our news and discussions, uh, discussion topics. Uh, unless there's anything else you wanted to mention, Tim? Nope, I think I got my frustrations out <laughs> for this year's E3. 
Yeah, you don't sound so tired anymore, Tim. <laughs> it works. <laughs> you just got mad. You just got to get you mad. Um, so now we can move on to our comic reviews. Um, so as, as we say, every single time, uh, there's going to be spoilers here. So if you haven't read your books, you might want to pause it and come back to this. For this issue, I mean, for this episode, we're uh, reviewing uh, issue number one of Batman the Adventure Continues, season two, issue one. <laughs> A lot of numbers there, huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, so our rating scale for this episode is going to be, Tim? Thinking, let's see, times, uh, frustrating times that, I guess, Something to do with E3 and how frustrated I was <laughs> with their lack of announcements <laughs> or focusing mainly on that Final Fantasy announcement. <laughs> uh, Final Fantasy announcements that le- that lets Tim down or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work, I guess. <laughs> All right, so the new season begins for Batman The Adventures Continue, one of my favorite series from last year, and I'm so happy we're getting the second season, especially when right off the bat, they're bringing in the Court of Owls into the Batman the Animated Series universe. And just hearing that alone got me excited for the season. And I'm just glad this first arc is kicking off with the Court of Owls. So we begin with the death of kind of a major character in the Batman the Animated Series. Um, not someone who's part of the Bat family, but it's been multiple episodes. And that is Mayor Hamilton Hill, as the issue starts with him and his wife going back to their penthouse. And he gets attacked by a Talon, as we see um, we don't get a full reveal of the talent yet, but we just see kind of his shadow in the reflection of his mirror there. And then we see uh, this issue also focuses on Dead Man, who's going to be probably working with Batman to take down the Court of Owls. And I like how, how they're bringing him into this because it was established in Justice League Unlimited how him and Batman did work together um, on a case and... I believe it was one where to solve his own murder, but I'm just glad that they're introducing him here where um, they're establishing their working relationship that we know they had in Justice League. This was kind of cool because he was a performer who worked at um, Haley Circus, and Haley Circus is back in Gotham, and we see him flying over there. We see that Dick and Barber are at the circus, and a little nod to the Robin's Reckoning episode, where in that episode... Once they announced that Bruce Wayne was in the audience and they shine the spotlight on him, Bruce knocks over his popcorn and spills his soda as he gets up to wave and just causing himself to be embarrassed. And the same thing happens to Dick here where he goes up uh, to wave to the people and he just drops his popcorn here. You just see him have an embarrassed look on his face. So I did like that little callback to the Robin's Reckoning episode. So Batman's there investigating the murder of, of Mayor Hill, whose son is there. He, it's revealed he has two sons, but because we know in the episode Be a Clown, he had a younger son named Jordan, but here he has an older son um, who's there comforting his mother, trying to figure out what's going on. And just right off the bat, I'm going to say it, I think he's involved with the Court of Owls. <laughs> it's just, there's something about him where we've never seen this character before. He just introduced here. He's someone who's kind of playing that fake um realization where he doesn't know what's going on and kind of wants to solve this mystery but in reality he probably really knows and is involved he just has that type of a feel of a character who's going to that's how his character is going to be in this story so we'll see if that happens but i'm just calling it right now that mayor hamilton hill's other son is going to be involved with the court so batman has uh, realized that he's being followed or watched by one of the talents who barely makes his escape 
and then Batman goes to see Veronica Vreeland because he knows his fa- her father um, actually has a collection of Court of Owls, um, just different weapons, artifacts, different stuff that people just think are legends, but Veronica Vreeland's father believes is actually true. And Batman just even tells him, you know, I tend to believe that there's always some truth in any legend in general. And so um, her father kind of gives the background story of the Court of Owls, which is pretty similar to their comic book roots, where they've just been established in Gotham as the main power of Gotham City as that no one knows about and just kind of take out um, any any type of threat that they see fit that might um, jeopardize their organization or Gotham. So all that stuff that we kind of knew about the Court of Owls, I'm glad that in this version they're keeping here too, how they're just kind of ancient organization who was there from the beginnings of Gotham who kind of became legends and just stories that parents foretell their children here. A lot, a lot of people believe in them now, except a very few. So Batman hears that or hears that story told. And then we get the death, Dead Man is following Batman around too throughout the course of this issue, kind of wanting to play do his part too and solve this mystery. And so he confronts the Talon. The Talon can actually see Dead Man, which surprises him. And Talon has no, or Dead Man has no effect on the Talon. He cannot possess his body like he can anyone else. This probably obviously has to do with that undead state that the the Court of Vows use for their Talons and kind of making like these zombie assassins. And so once Dead Man is unable to do anything with the Talon, the Talon goes to attack uh, Veronica Vreeland's father. And, but she sees the attack happen. And then Dead Man possesses her body, and she has a sword duel with the Talons and is able to hold her own. Okay, until Batman gets there. And there, he able, him and the Talon have a cool fight sequence. And I like the dialogue here, too, where the Talon is trying to show that Batman doesn't mean anything. And he just, you know, we knew about you skulking in the shadows, waging war on misfits of gotham who are slightly more damaged than you we could have ended you anytime batman's like yeah i doubt that <laughs> they were saying like we never considered you a bother but now that you crossed us tonight uh, you're in our path now so a cool fight sequence between batman and the, and a talon here but as he makes his escape um he damages dead man pretty bad where he just disappears <laughs> or even like his ghostly form is just is gone so uh batman knew the talon was talking to someone but batman couldn't see dead man and so after he helps Veronica and takes her father to the hospital, um, he goes to see Zatanna to see if she can do something with her magic abilities to have him connect and meet up with Dead Man so they can um, go on this case to hunt down the Court of Owls, and which he does. So, yeah, a really solid issue to this introduction to the Court of Owls into the animated series universe. Again, I like how they're keeping uh, the origin story pretty much intact that Scott Snyder developed for the court, but yet. Um, having him in connected with characters in the animated series as well. So I'm just looking forward to see more of this version of Batman, Nightwing, as Nightwing makes an appearance also in this issue, keeping an eye out um, on Veronica and her father at the hospital. So if we get more of the Bat family involved here, because as we remember, Nightwing played a pretty big role in the Court of Owls, as he, as he was targeted to be a Talon in the comics. So I'm wondering if they're going to do any of that type of stuff in this animated series version as well. But uh, good issue. Glad the series is back and it kicks off with bringing up one of the, obviously in more, more modern times, one of the better Batman stories around with the Court of Owls. And it's cool seeing that adapted into the Batman, the animated series universe. So I'm going to go ahead and give it four out of five Final Fantasy frustrations that Tim had during this year's E3. That's a lot of yeah. uh, frustration, Tim. Four out of the six games that frustrated me that aren't coming to consoles, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
So is this a uh, series that I should be reading, Ken? I think so. I love the first like, volume. Like uh, the, the TMNT 2011 comic? I'm not going to put it quite up to that tier because that's like yeah. ultimate <laughs> comic book reading level tier. So it's just really good adaptions of characters that are from the comics brought into the animated series universe. That's what I love about it so much. And just, again, continuing on not only that Batman the Animated Series continuity, but bringing stuff from the comics that we never got to see in the actual show into that universe is just being done really, really well by, by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini. So it's just great seeing their takes on these characters in the animated series universe. All right. Uh, so, so not as good as the TMNT relaunch. Not quite. Okay. But still highly All recommended right. though. <laughs> Okay. Maybe so. Sorry, do do I have to read uh, this the first season, quote unquote? Uh, you probably wouldn't have to, but it, but it doesn't hurt. But they did a good okay. job with bringing in Azrael and Jason Todd. Those are some of like my favorite elements that <laughs> they brought into the animated series universe. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll give it a try. Um. So with that, that 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 is it for this show. Um. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Batman Universe. Twitter handles at Batman Universe. Uh, you can follow Tim at TimG311. I'll say it this time because he had kind of a rough week. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I appreciate it. And my Twitter handles at Dane Says Banana. Rate and review us on iTunes. You can email the show at batfansatallpass at gmail.com. Oh, I, I, I forgot the show's Twitter <laughs> uh, the show's for handles at that fans podcast. So with that, I appreciate it every single episode too. We love each and every one of you with all of our all of our hybrid loving hearts, even when we're feeling frustrated by Square Enix announcements at <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. That, that, that's a really good one. A mouthful uh, but accurate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody.